to episode number four of Perspective. My name is Molly. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Logan. We are very excited. Today, we're going to talk to you guys about Warp Tour. Um, before we get into that, though, I did want to say thank you so much to everyone who tuned into episode number three or who's listened to any episodes so far. We really appreciate it. Um, Logan, before we dive in deep, do you have anything that you want to say? No, I do appreciate everyone you know, checking us out so far. I do want to, you know, I know we said it to him a bunch of times, but thank James again for coming on with us for our last episode. And um, I know we're planning on getting some more guests here in the future, so I can't wait for that. And I hope everyone continues to like him. Cool. So uh, I guess we'll start off by talking about Warp Tour this year. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Logan and I live in different states. I live in New Jersey. Logan lives in Columbus, Ohio. And if you didn't listen to episode number one and get the full backstory of how we met, um, I was living in Ohio at the time in Cleveland, came down to Columbus for a show, happened to meet a guy that was interviewing bands, wearing a shirt of a band called Par Six, and uh, we became friends. And uh, now we're doing this podcast together. Um, But anyway, so I was in Cleveland for school, moved back home. Uh, Logan earlier this summer said, Hey, I think I'm going to come to New York during, during July. Uh, and he ended up doing warp tour press out in Long Island. Um, I, this year was not doing the normal press room kind of thing. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, I work as the youth outreach assistant for PETA too. So this year when I was at warp tour, I went to the Long Island show and then I went to Holmdale, New Jersey um, and at both of those shows, I was kind of doing a bunch of different things with PETA, too. Well, I want to say really quick, um, it's our entire like existence and like our entire friendship is based off of bands that have broken up. And it's just so sad every time that I think about it. Like you mentioned, oh, yeah, I was wearing a part six shirt and that's how you like pointed me out. And I'm just like that band broke up. And then we talk about all the bands that we first interviewed and they broke up. And it's just a really really sad realization that I guess I'm coming to. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming to it too as well. Um, so I have had a lot of different involvement in Warp Tour over the past, I guess it'll be like six, seven years. Um, going to it, volunteering with labels. Last year I was on the whole tour. Um, and in 2015, I went to six shows uh, doing photography I think I did like two interviews during that whole time but mostly I was there doing photos um and two of the bands that I was like most intent on like okay I have to photograph these bands every day wait no three holy shit because there was there was major league and handguns uh who were both on the tour that year major league broke up last year uh that was very disappointing for of course me. they uh, did r.i.p <laughs> I know uh Logan and I have developed a saying R.I.P.A.F., um, which, you know, you can kind of guess what that means, but kind of relates to our sort of bond over all of these bands that have broken up and that are terribly, terribly missed, Major League being one of many. Um, but I had a lot of fun on Warp or at Warp for anyway in 2015, just photographing them at a bunch of different venues. Um in camden you know all their families were there and then up in buffalo i remember they played like because i i drove around like me and a couple of friends carpooled um so it was like a very interesting week and a half or so of long road trips and too much you know really shitty fast food and not enough sleep and like just terrible ridiculousness but it was so much fun even though it was really exhausting um Anyway, we were up in Buffalo and all of us, me and my friend Jen, who's also a photographer, um, that was like our favorite, favorite show um, that we did of the like six that we did. We're up in Buffalo and she, uh, we, we both just remarked on how perfect the weather was and Major League played that day, like right before sunset. So it was like the most perfect lighting, um, which was just really cool. And then an, another band that I shot several times at, at that little stretch of Warped Tour two years ago was Handguns, who I, to my understanding, they're still a band technically, um, although I don't think they're really too active anymore. 
Um, so I don't know. I haven't uh, talked to any of them directly, so I can't really speak super directly to that. But they're they're also a band that I mean I I remember the last show that I did of Warp Tour 2015 was Scranton, Scranton, Pennsylvania, and the venue is like Logan. You haven't you haven't been to this venue. Um, anyone who has been to Warp Tour in Scranton, Pennsylvania, I am so I I, I want to say I'm sorry. I also want to say oh you're so lucky. So to paint a picture, this venue is literally on a mountain. If you are very lucky, they will let you, like, drive right up there and park. Jen and I were not so lucky. So, like, is it... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was, like, it's it's just trying to imagine that, and, like, that sounds awful. Like... (laughs) Yeah. So, so we drove, we drove out to Scranton, uh... And, like, we get to, like, the base of the mountain, and they're like, no, you have to park off-site, and there's a shuttle. So we get in the shuttle, which is this giant school bus, and the school bus gets, like, stuck, like, halfway up the mountain. Uh, I'm not even kidding. There's, like, traffic because there was, like, an accident, like, on this little winding mountain road leading up to Warp Tour. And I know that sounds, like, so weird that you probably all think I'm making it up, but it's true. We were just sitting there for half an hour, and, like, we had stopped at a Starbucks in Scranton, um... You know, Jen and I both had a bunch of friends on the tour, friends who were going out of their way to, like, get us photo passes to multiple shows and, and you know, really, really going out of their way to help us out. So we stopped and bought coffee for a bunch of people. And we have our camera bags, which are decently heavy, right? And the school bus is stuck. It's getting close to doors. And I'm like, shit, I have to go help my friend set up her tent. Uh, and then finally, we just asked the bus driver, like, can we just walk the rest of the way and she's like okay so we like get off this school bus and we're each just picture this it's like 85 degrees already at like 10 in the morning right uh bright and sunny and we literally walked like two and a half miles uphill with our camera bags and holding like you know a tray of starbucks drinks each um so there's there's that situation which makes granted unfortunate but it's a beautiful venue you are in the mountains, so it's really, really nice scenery. Um, but the unfortunate thing is that there's always a, always seems to be a storm uh, at Scranton. And there was a storm at the Scranton show that day um, in the middle of the afternoon. And I remember, and why I, why I bring, this, bring this in when I talk about handguns, is uh, they were playing at the very end of the day at like 8 o'clock, um, which... Anyone who's been to Warp Tour, Logan, I know you can attest to this. Like, the prime time to play Warp Tour is like six or seven, you know, six, six or so. Because if you're the very last band, like, everyone, everyone leaves. You know, a lot of people leave early. So, handguns were not only playing last, they were playing at the same time as the Wonder Years. So, that, that kind of has a few things against them. Um, and they had, I think their drummer, like, had to go home for family stuff. So they played acoustic that day. Um, and, you know, I had known those guys for a while. And I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go watch this uh, Handguns Acoustic set. And it was awesome. Um, it was really, really cool. But it's, you know, it definitely is interesting to think about, like, what kind of crowds people get just based on, like, who plays at the same time, you know? Yeah, that's, you know, it's kind of funny. And that is a really bad situation for them. You know, that sounds like just everything kind of fell up. I mean, not necessarily fell apart, but I guess at the same time, kind of, I mean, your drummer had to go home. You're playing super late. Not only are you playing super late when people are already leaving, but you're playing against, or not playing, but you're playing at the same time as the Wonder Years. And so for the people that are still there, obviously, you know, the Wonder Years is the more popular band. So that's never like a good situation and i do agree that eight is like a bad time and i mean right i just it's i I don't honestly i haven't stayed that late in a long time which sounds kind of bad because not even late (laughs) but like i'm still like oh i gotta get home and like right for me i have to drive up to cleveland which from where i live is about two hours so I mean, anytime I can get home, and it's usually like during the middle of the week, and I have to work the next day. So anytime, like I'm coming from Cleveland from a concert and can get home before like one thirty, I'm gonna do it. So 
I usually leave at like, I guess probably like seven and then I can get home at nine or nine thirty. But I think it is a really interesting th thing to watch is, you know, like even as going to warp tours, like someone who just wants to see bands and you're like, you know, you have to pick and choose what bands you want to see. And then, you know, from our perspective, you're going to see people who don't have a big crowd one day, but have a, you know, an entirely different crowd the next day because they're playing at a different time. And it has, you know, nothing really to do with the talent of their band, but everything to do with who was playing at the same time as them. It's just, yeah. it's really kind of funny. And I think, I don't know, I don't, I might be wrong here, but I think the only band that has like a set time this year is Guar. I think everyone else like rotates times throughout the day. Um, yeah. And, I and with Guar, I think, I think the only reason they have a set time is because they're Guar and they like, make a big mess um but i mean obviously the conflicting set times do happen but i think that is something that warp tour with the so warp tour has rotating set times um every day aside from guar no band is playing at the same time every day you never know who's going to open who's going to close um but i think that's a really really important thing about warp tour because you go to a quote-unquote mainstream festival or any other festival really you know at least who the headliners are if not the exact stage lineup and set times beforehand um and if you I, I mean at a at a festival or anything where you have a major artist and like some smaller artist competing which I mean obviously it, it ends up that you know everyone someone is playing at the same time as everyone else um that can really negatively affect the crowd that a smaller artist could get. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, so I was out on the whole tour last year. Um, I worked for PETA too. And I would get the production emails every morning. Um, so it's an email that you get and it lists like, what's at catering today? Um, is there a barbecue tonight? And then it would list, you know, kind of the important thing, like what are all the set times? Um, and I have always wondered, and, and maybe we can figure out who does this and, and somehow get them on the show. I think that'll be really cool. But I've always wondered what kind of a strategy there is into creating the set times for a warp tour, you know, like obviously it, it rotates, but I don't think it's like completely random. I don't think. But I don't know. I don't know. Logan, do you have any insight into how Warped Tour makes their set times? I don't have any, like, knowledge of, like, firsthand knowledge of how it goes. And I haven't talked to anybody about it. But I would assume that it's not completely random. Um, I think that, I mean, I don't know. Because I, uh, I, I think that, like, certain bands, you know, they might not play the same time every day. But they probably have, like, a time slot of like they'll play anywhere between this hour and this hour. I don't know. I mean, I, it might not be like that, but I remember, I think it was last year that like I went to the Cleveland date and my friend went to the Cincinnati date and as soon as doors opened, like Set It Off was like one of the first bands playing and then he went to the Cincinnati date and they were playing at like five. So I don't, part of me wants to think that it's not completely random because I can't, imagine that like a tour that big is like oh we'll just you know f it we'll just rotate every entire band and say here you go right. like there's right. gotta be some kind of organization there and i think you know obviously guar we already said that they have their one set time that just last every time and that's like you said partially because they make a gigantic freaking mess and also probably because it takes them incredibly long to get all of their like you know, stage stuff and everything like that. So imagine pitching them like, hey, come out on this tour and start at 11 a.m. and just be ready, to, or I guess 1 p.m. now this year. But I, I mean, even it's, like... It's, it's not 1 p.m. every day, by the way. Um, so uh, to anyone listening, you, I, I'm, I'm going to make a generalized assumption and assume that most people listening uh, have indeed been to Warp Tour. Uh, frankly, if you're listening to this, if you know either of us at all, you're probably someone that's been to Warp Tour at least at some point in your life. Um, past years, the show pretty consistently started at 11 a.m. Um, Logan, I don't know if you know this, but I discovered uh, while I was out on the tour last summer that at some shows, like 
places like Arizona and Las Vegas where it's just so, so incredibly hot, they will start the show like at like one or two. And that's been a thing for a few years where those shows started later. Um, so the show is over and it's starting to the show is not over it's starting to cool down um and you still have like a few hours of fun when it's less unbearably hot because it's dark out the sun's down but this year they've been like alternating between the 11 o'clock and the one o'clock uh start times which i don't know i mean my my theory for that and i don't i'm sure this is only part of it uh and logan i want to hear your your thoughts too but my theory is that so a lot of the bands this year seem to be like targeting a slightly older crowd. Um, I mean, the Ataris for one. I don't I don't think many like 15 year olds really listen to the Ataris. Uh, although if you do, that's awesome. Um, the Ataris are a great bands. <laughs> but people who are people who are like 15 are probably like, heck, yeah, I'm going to wake up at like eight in the morning and be first in line for Warp Tour at 11 o'clock. People who are in their 20s are probably less enthusiastic to wake up so early in the morning for a concert. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a, a bunch of things that probably go into it. But Logan, do you have any thoughts on that? I think that's probably pretty accurate on their end of why they were doing. And this this lineup got a lot of... This lineup was very hit or miss for a lot of people. Um, and I think it was, you know, kind of angled towards more of an older crowd you obviously had a lot of older like i guess you had a couple older punk bands on there um and then you just had just you know older hardcore bands and so i I think it definitely was marketed towards an older crowd and they wanted to go back to you know this old school kind of feel of warped tour which is cool um which is cool yeah it's 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 certainly interesting something that people have wanted for a while and then they got it and then people were still angry so that's you know that's a whole other conversation but i think it was probably started later because of that and it makes a whole lot of sense because honestly getting up at like you know eight in the morning and being there at 11 and not leaving until seven or eight it's awful i mean it's not awful but it's exhausting you know it's and for someone yeah. you might be like i'm gonna go see you know the ataris they have been my favorite band for 15 years you're not yeah at that age, you're like, nah, I'm, I'm rather not, because you still don't know when they're gonna play. So it's not like you can be like, oh, I'll just wait till, you know, this time to show up. You have to go there, you know, and just kind of hang out and wait for them to play. So I think that's probably a reason as to why they did it, and it's probably a very good reason. I think. Um, I don't know. I didn't actually know they were alternating between eleven and one. I just thought it was one, like the whole tour. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know why they would like is there a random days they're starting at 11 or do you think there's like a reason why they're picking like random days to start at 11 that i am not sure uh so i went to the show in wonton new york long island and i went to the show in holmdale new jersey both of those were on saturdays and they both started at uh like one um so i i don't i don't know i mean it could be like bigger shows they start at that time. Um, one thing, so one thing that I learned last year, uh, so people who are on warp tour for the most part, most of the people on the tour, uh, are traveling in a bus. So it's the end of the day. And so I working for PETA too, we're a sponsor of the tour. So our, our bus, our team of like, you know, 10, 12 people, we, our bus was kind of grouped with like the production buses. So we always got, we usually were parked relatively close to like catering and the production office and all the important things. Um, Bands are usually parked much farther away, whether they're in a bus or a bandwagon or a van. Um, By the way, shout out to anyone who can do Warped Tour in a van, because I did it in a freaking bus and it was still really really hard so if you can survive it in a van i i mean anyone who can survive warp tour is awesome um not everyone can do it but if you can survive warp tour in a van that's even more impressive um so anyway so you know warp tour like you every every morning um and also in that production email that i mentioned they would say what time is bus call and bus call is the time that the bus leaves so 
that time is predicted based on you know everyone getting to the venue at six or seven o'clock in the morning i think um i don't i don't know the exact estimate but you know it, it's planned bus call is planned so all of the buses will arrive at the next show on time however some shows are really far apart so last year we went from virginia beach to syracuse new york which is like nine or 10 or 11 hours. It's a ridiculous drive. And so our bus call was at like 10 o'clock the night before. But, you know, realistically, with a long drive, the bus driver has to stop and, you know, get gas and, and, you know, take a break and all that. So it's like seven o'clock, I'm out of bed, I'm getting dressed, and the bus is still rolling. Uh, And I like open Google Maps on my phone to see like how far we are from the show. And we're still like two hours from the venue. So finally, it's like after nine o'clock and we pull up um, to the show in Syracuse. Uh, and, and anyway, where I was going with that is that some of the workforce shows are really far apart. If the show starts, if you can make it so the show is going to start two hours later that day, then no one is quote unquote running late. Um so I, I think, I don't, I don't know, I didn't look far enough into like which shows are early, which shows are late to see if they, if they planned it with the drive times. Um, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Um, I, I didn't have any involvement in the production side, but it was, it, it's definitely weird, uh, you know, because for me, I would get up pretty early in the morning and like get dressed and put my shoes on um, on the bus. And then I would like, grab my contact solution and my toothbrush and go find like an actual bathroom to, you know, kind of make myself look somewhat presentable for the day. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I was used to like hopping off the bus and going into like the venue, the amphitheater backstage or whatever. And then this time I was just, you know, I was just doing all my stuff on the bus. Um, and you just, you don't have any moment on the days like that where the bus just rolls up to the venue um and you're like really late and that that happens stuff happens um but when that happens you just kind of like roll out and go there is no no time to like chill and give yourself zen for five minutes um you just roll out and go which you know we're we're very you know you, you have to keep your energy up all day um but but Logan switching gears a bit. Uh, so Logan, uh, you came out to the New York show, or I guess essentially the New York City show on Long Island. Um, and if anyone follows Perspective on Twitter, you may have seen uh, there was a selfie of Logan and myself taken from that show. We got to hang out for just a couple minutes. It was a super brief meeting. We were both very busy all day, but. So Logan, you were doing press at that show. Um, what what was it like? Who did you end up interviewing? So I ended up interviewing. Um, I got only three bands that day. It was other ones were either um, I couldn't get fit in because there's a lot. I don't know if it was necessarily. I mean, there was a little bit more press at this one than the Cleveland show and also some of them were bigger because they're in a much bigger market. So I got a little bit fewer interviews this time than which I was anticipating anyway. Um, but I ended up interviewing anti-flag, um, American authors and, oh man, wait, is it only two? I can't remember. Hold on. I think it's only two now that I'm starting to think about it. Um, cause one of the other ones I was going to have was the Atari's, and that one just never happened. So it ended up only being two. Apparently my memory is really bad from two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun. It's definitely a little bit different um, than Cleveland. Also the press there was in a much different area than I thought it would be. Because um, in Cleveland you go, you know, you go backstage, you go behind the amphitheater, and you go down in the basement of the amphitheater. It's just nice little air-conditioned room and it's great and it's big and then you i came to this one in new york and there yeah, that's was like pretty rare that's, yeah that's i pretty rare i start to, to get like that sense it was it was much to my dismay 
when I, I mean, it was kind of cool though to go into because I'd never been to this, um, what Jones Beach. I don't know what the like name is before it's it. It's the Norwell Health at Jones Beach Amphitheater, I think. Uh, I, I think it's Nor, yeah, it's Norwell Health now. It used to be the Nikon Theater at Jones Beach, now it's Norwell Health. Um, as a photographer and someone who shoots Nikon, I loved when it was called the Nikon, um, but it is no longer, but it's the same venue. Uh, it's one of my personal favorite venues for Warp Tour just because it is on the water. So you get a breeze all day. Um, and like most Warp Tour venues, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but like you're on the water. Um, and, and it's mostly flat, which isn't the Cleveland venue like super hilly. It is. It's a giant hill. Um, and also, real quick, shout out to Nikon, since you're not sponsoring Jones Beach. If you're looking for somebody to sponsor, we have plenty of options here. We are definitely flexible. Oh, yeah. And by we'd, that, we'd be happy to talk. I mean, we have only one option, and that is just sponsor our entire show. So we are very broke. And but we, we are looking. Cool <laughs> <laughs> we will be very cool with anything, open to any ideas. Just two broke millennials. That's all. That's all we are. <laughs> um, I I had a question for you, Logan, and your experience of doing press in uh, New York versus Cleveland. So, uh, obviously, and, and something that I think is really cool about Warp Tour is that for many photographers as well as writers and pe- interviewers, um, Warp Tour is their first, you know, first festival that they get to cover um so there are a lot of young and relatively new uh media personnel uh at in in the warp tour press room in the photo pit um i so i've never actually shot the or or done press at the jones beach show i mean i I shot like one song of trophy eyes this this year that was it Otherwise, I have never actually photographed or been in the press room in for New York Warp Tour. So I, I don't even know. But the not just the number of people there, but what I mean, what were they like? Is it, you know, I, I know there was all this talk this year of, oh, they're being more strict with press. But in your experience with the people in New York doing press, was it mostly like, up-and-coming bloggers photographers media personnel or was it because it's new york where we have some obviously major media outlets did you see mostly just you know really experienced people working for super super established well-known uh publications so there was kind of a mix um i mean obviously i was there uh chorus fm was there um there was a, I believe it was a school newspaper was there for Stony Brook. Uh, then I want to say, and I, I'm about 90, 99% sure I saw this, that Fox News was there. And I remember I saw that because I was looking at Neck Deep what? and it said, yeah, it said Fox News was just Neck Deep. And uh, the, they were like the only, I think they were like one of two maybe that were like a pre-approved for Neck Deep. And I was like, well, that's weird. That can't possibly be right. But I remember seeing that. I was like, well, okay, sure. I guess we're going to do that. But um, it it was really like a mixture of kind of younger and not older, but people who have probably been doing it for a while. Um, And it, it was, I guess the only thing really different was just that there were... I mean, there were obviously more people, which is probably the only really big difference. Cleveland had like Cleveland usually has a pretty good mixture of like younger and like more established people there that I've you know seen there in the past, I guess, seven years or six years of being there. Um, and so that's always kind of cool when you see those people that you've seen, you know, the past year or two, few years, however long they've been there. Then you see them again. It's like once a year you get to see them, you know. Um, but this year I didn't obviously know anybody there. And so it was kind of strange in that sense. I just felt like Except I, me, I well, right. You were there, but not in the press room, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so it was it was kind of strange because I felt like I didn't belong there because I'd never been there before. And it's 
it's a much smaller room, so you're much closer to everybody, um, and you can't just like sit out in the open. Like it was just a very small room, and so you had just like two couches, and that was really kind of it. So if you were doing an interview, you were on one of those couches, or I think there was like one dressing room that they could like put you in as well. So it was a bit of a different experience in that sense. It was a bit tougher to get some interviews, but that was really not that big of a deal. Um, but it was a lot of fun still. I think anti-flag interviewing them at Warp Tour was probably one of my, like, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with that. They're really good guys. So I never wait, had to interview them before. Wait. But. So, so, uh, anti-flag story that I have to go into, uh, and this isn't a story at all. It doesn't even involve me, but I think it's really hilarious. Logan, did you stop by anti-flag's tent at all? I did not, but something tells me I probably should have just based on how you're asking oh. this. Oh my gosh, you should have. Uh, well, any if anyone listening has been to Warp Tour, has stopped by Anti Flag's tent. So, a- as we spoke about earlier, uh, Warp Tour rotates set times every day. So most bands will have like a poster that's like, oh, Anti Flag playing on the blank stage. You know, fill in whatever stage they're on at. And they print out like probably thousands of these posters. And then every morning they write, you know, their set time on the posters and get some like street teamer to tape them all around the venue. Um, Or they have signs at their tent or whatever. Anti-Flag did it a little differently. They have a, a like poster at their tent that looks like a tweet from Donald Trump. And it, it says, I forget the exact wording, but it says, do not go see Anti-Flag playing on the Hard Rock stage at, you know, three o'clock. Terrible band, fake news, or, or something like that. But it looks like a, a Donald Trump tweet, and it's hilarious. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, if you know Anti-Flag, you know that, you know, they obviously find this hilarious. And it, it's fantastic, and it, it makes perfect sense. Um, but yeah, I, I had to share that little bit of info because I think it's awesome. <laughs> That's It's funny because they definitely, I don't, I mean, obviously they aren't big supporters of him, but they weren't really big supporters of anybody. So it's kind of funny because they just kind of sit back and trash everybody. Um, you know, whether it would have been Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. I remember they, but they made like a shirt that was like both of them. And I think it had like, I don't remember what it was. It says like something about like two evils and it was like both of them were like like kind of trend like turned them into like snakes or something. It was weird. It was a really strange shirt and I almost wanted to buy it. I don't remember I don't remember that shirt, but it, with without like I mean I I don't know anti-flag personally, so this is just my like hypothesis, but my kind of understanding of anti-flag is that they're more concerned with like doing what's right versus you know, supporting a person or a politician or political candidate or party. So, uh, you know, that, that I think could be where that com- comes in. Um, but as we talk about, uh, you talked about neck deep and you talked about some of the close quarters in the press room. Um, I just remember, so I interviewed neck deep the first time they were on warp tour in 2014 and I had gone down to Maryland for that. Um, and it was kind of a last minute thing that I was going, but uh, this band to the wind was playing uh, and I had shot them a couple of times and they were like, Oh my God, please come. We'll get you a pass. Like, please, please, please. Um, I was like, hell yeah, of course I'll come down. Um, and I went to the press room, signed up for some interviews and I ended up interviewing neck deep. And it's like, so the press room in Maryland is like a trailer. Um, it's a nice trailer. It's air conditioned, but like we ended up having to stand outside, but like we're standing like on the balcony of this trailer or something. It was, it was really weird. Um, but the best part of the press area in Maryland is that it is in the, it's like in a forest, right? So Logan, I, and to anyone listening, like if you (laughs) ever find yourself in or near Columbia, Maryland, uh, when Warp Tour is coming to town at the Meriwether Post Pavilion, you should totally go. Um, so 
the venue is like on a main road, but at the backside of the venue, there is this forest and it just feels like a bizarre enchanted forest. It's a million miles away from everything. It's so cool. And there's like chairs and stuff backstage, backstage. It's, it's, it's really wild. It's really weird. But then you go across the street and there is a mall, like a, a shopping mall. Um, It's very, it, it's weird. I don't know, but I, I always like that venue. Um, I, I'm curious. So something I want to dive into here, just because I think this is, uh, probably pretty funny. Um, I want to talk about both of our first times going to Warp Tour. Logan, what do you think about diving into that? That would be, are you talking about the first time we covered Warp Tour? Cause that is. No. Um... Well, that, but also really what I want to talk about is the first time we went. Okay. We can, oh boy. <laughs> Oh boy. Well, well, Logan, I can see you're really excited to talk about <laughs> it. And I have a feeling there are absolutely no embarrassing or cringeworthy stories. So I think you should start off. Uh, what year was the first time you went to Warp Tour? Oh, man. Um, to be honest with you, the first year I went to Warp Tour was like 2002. It was super like ridiculous. And how old were um, you in 2002? Well, I would have been eight in 2002. <laughs> oh my god, I think that was the year that they had, like, um, if I'm remembering correctly, and remember, I, I just had trouble remembering who I interviewed two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> so I, I think some, I know for a fact something corporate was there. Um, I want to say Good Charlotte was there. Um, Jeez, good lord. Uh, Simple Plan was for sure there. And I know, hold on, I've kind of looked this up. Because it was something, it was ridiculous amount of like, there were a lot of good bands there. But it was, that wasn't even the year that I had like the most embarrassing like time of my life. Um, so what was the but, most embarrassing time of your life at Warp Tour? <laughs> so before we hit <laughs> that part, into that. before we get into that gigantic mess, we'll say, 2002, you had Good Charlotte, uh, MXPX, Newfound Glory, Real Big Fish, Thursday. Um, let's see, Anti Flag was on it, of course, because they're there pretty frequently. Uh, then something corporate, like I said. Oh boy, the casualties were there. Um, RIP to Midtown, who was there. Goodness. Midtown is from like right around where they I are from. I think they're from Long Island, aren't they? No, they're from New Jersey. Are uh, they really? Yeah, oh, that's oh, right. Wait. They got back together for the Bamboozle Festival. And that oh my was, god! Okay. Oh my god! Midtown. I have a Midtown story, real quick. Go ahead. <laughs> really, really briefly. Uh, but I just think it's funny. So, um, I, as anyone who listened to episode number one, and I think we even mentioned it in number three with James Shotwell, um. My college degree is in psychology, and I'm really passionate about mental health and suicide prevention advocacy. So a couple of years ago, I guess it would have been 2012, um, there's a, a local crisis hotline, and my parents knew someone on the board uh, who said, hey, we're looking for interns for the office. I had no summer plans, uh, so I went in for the interview. Um, and it went really well, and then the woman asked me like what else do you like to do for fun right uh and I said I'm into music and I have a blog and da 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 and she she asked what kind of bands I'm into and I say well like good charlotte blink 182 yellow card you know bands like that I guess um and then she goes do you like the band midtown and I'm like yeah of of course you know uh, and she goes, oh, there, that's, that's my brother, my younger brother. Uh, so my boss at an wow. internship was Rob Hitt's older sister, uh, which was weird, but it was cool. Uh, Sue is awesome. She was such a great boss to work with. <laughs> anyway, uh, go back, go back to your Warped Tour 2002 story, please. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to, before I move on, the worst um, mistake I made at Warped Tour, 2002 had to drive through a record stage. So that should throw you back to wow. what exactly encompassed this. And so RIP to almost all of these bands. Um, Alistair played the whole thing. Um, 
American Hi-Fi played a decent amount of data. Oh my god, I love American <laughs> Hi-Fi. Um, Finch was there. Um, Homegrown was there, which is an incredibly underrated band from that era. Um, and then the starting line was also on that stage, and a couple other like random bands. Um, but yeah, this was. I wish like I could go back. I wish we could have this like now, but like. I don't know because these bands, some of these bands aren't very like good now. And obviously they're a bit older. So I wish we could just like take ourselves and time or time travel back to 2002 and just like watch that because that would be like pretty crazy because some of these bands weren't even like no one like really cared at the time. Like Avenged Sevenfold was there, but they played on the Ernie Ball stage. Really? <laughs> yeah, they only really? played. They only played a week. And they were only there on the Ernie Ball stage. So like. Um, that's kind of surprising, but I mean, I guess if you think about it, like they weren't really big yet, so I don't know. They were probably just like another like metalcore band from like Southern California at that time. So, um, that's kind of that. But the the worst thing I ever did was I wore jeans to work tour, and I don't know why, because like this was two thousand nine, so like I should have known by then how dumb of a mistake this would have been but i was like 15 and i'm like yeah i'm gonna fucking look great going to warp tour that's the <laughs> fucking dumbest thing <laughs> so this this is when i had like my long hair and i was like pumped and i was like wearing skinny jeans and so i was like oh yeah this is gonna be fun definitely were you wearing like a really deep v-neck t-shirt Please Something tell tells me. me I probably was. I had like a Silverstein like white V-neck that I used to wear all the time. So that was probably what I was wearing. Oh my god! Um, I could probably. Well, no, I don't think I have any pictures from that. Thank God. Um, but I remember wearing skinny jeans because they had like holes at the knees, of course, because it was two thousand nine. So why wouldn't they? Um, and like, set your goals was there, and a four year strong was there. Um, this was like right when Four Year Strong was like starting to hit their peak because um, Enemy of the World had just came out like a few months ago, and so they were big. And like I would went to like their crowd, and it was awful because like I was wearing skinny jeans, and it was just so fucking hot. And like I was standing right side, right outside of their pit or whatever, and they had like this big circle pit and. They had a guy who was like, you know, on his hands and knees, people were jumping off of his back, like launching over the crowd. And I was like, oh, that should probably, you know, I should probably move because if I get hit in the face, I probably won't get up. And so, like, I was walking away and, like, I don't know what happened, but, like, I guess I didn't move fast enough. And then it just, like, all caved in on me. And I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm just having a heat stroke in my freaking skinny jeans, but I'll be okay. And so, like, I ended up and I just left and I went oh to shade God. and I sat down for, like, 30 minutes and I missed set your goals. I was like, this is fine because I my life is more important than set your goals, which was I don't it think. Though? Was it? No, it wasn't because I haven't <laughs> seen them since. So, uh, the last time I was supposed to see them, they canceled their show in Columbus. So, that was, like, the year after. And it was at this little tiny club. And it was going to be a lot of fun. And then they, just, they were like, nah, we're just not going to come. So I ended up never seeing Set Your Goals, which is kind of sad. But I mean, that's okay. Because their last album wasn't that good anyway. So I guess I didn't miss out on much. I, I will say I got to see them uh, last year. They played in San Diego, Warped Tour. And that, so, you know, doing doing what I, what I do on tour with PETA too, like sometimes you run into people that are really great and exciting, but you know, San Diego, I definitely ran into a lot of people that were just not excited <laughs> to meet me um, for whatever reason, who knows. But at the end of the day, I got to see set your goals for like 10 minutes and that was awesome. Um, it's yeah, it was very, very cool. <laughs> yeah. They, they've always seemed like a fun band and like their live shows always looked really fun. And I just, I never got the chance to see them and it was always like I don't know they were supposed to get back together like a few years ago and then they didn't and then they did that 10 year tour they did last year yeah they and did then, a tour like last winter yeah and then they just I guess they just I don't know maybe they don't have anything to gain by getting back together but 
it's I mean in the age of where everybody gets back together I'm surprised that they haven't gotten back together yet yeah I don't know I mean and and the topic of you know reunion tours versus you know a reunion tour where a band like set your goals comes back for a, a set period and that's it uh versus I mean when good Charlotte came back I they came back so good Charlotte broke up and and for for the record, for what it's worth, I could do an entire podcast, not just an entire episode, but an entire podcast where every episode is dedicated to talking about something related to Good Charlotte. Um, I'm I'm not exaggerating, <laughs> um, but so I have many thoughts and feelings about them. Um, but when they they broke up and then they got back together in 2015. And at first, it kind of sounded like it would be, like, one album and, like, a tour or two. But it's been almost two years now, and they're still doing a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm I'm going to see them in New York in a few weeks. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot. Who knows, you know? I mean, I'm sure the members of Set Your Goals are all doing, doing different things. I, I haven't really followed too much of what they've all been up to aside from the band itself yeah i think one of them started a side project um a year or two ago and i don't i don't remember it being received all that well but i mean it's that doesn't really i guess mean a whole lot because i don't know if you want to do like uh, you know critical reception as like the end all be all for bands or artists or anything like that but um it would be interesting to see them get back together. I don't know what would have happened because, like, that music isn't really like in right now. Um, you know, that's it. Kind of had its time, and then it, you know, went away. And I mean, Four Years Strong, I guess, is still around. And it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens with them because I mean, they're doing their ten-year tour now, tour, yeah, which is going ridiculously well. But obviously, they're putting it in smaller venues, which is on purpose but they're selling out all these small venues and, you know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, if this like helps them or if it hurts them or, you know, if, cause I mean their last album from what I recall, it didn't sell very well, which was kind of surprising because they came back and they were like released that little four song EP or whatever, go down in history. And it sold like, I think it did beat it like number 50 or something, something ridiculous on like the billboard 200 and then they came out with their album and it didn't quite do that. I think it hit like number 90 or number 80 or something. And so that was kind of surprising. But I, th- I guess, you know, just bands like that, maybe they're just kind of stuck in their periods. Except for, I mean, you know, obviously, again, Four Years Strong's been able to kind of last and stick it out. I mean, they went away there for like a year or two um, and then came back and they've kind of been hanging out since. So. I mean, that's just kind of where we're at. We could do a whole other episode, like you said, on bands like that. So that's maybe that's something we will do eventually. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, I guess this is my turn now to talk about my first time going to Warp Tour. So uh, I did not go to Warp Tour until 2010 when I was 18 years old. Not because I did not want to go in years before that, but every year before that, I had either gone away to summer camp or I was a camp counselor. And, you know, obviously when you're away at summer camp and your parents are paying a ton of money for you to go to camp, they're not going to, like, pick you up and take you to warp tour for the day, you know. And then when you're a camp counselor, you know, you, you can't get a day off to go to warp tour. And, you know, combination with that was I was really weird, like, all through high school and everything. And, like, I didn't really have any friends that would go to something like warp tour with me. And I I didn't really want to go alone. But freshman year of college, you know, comes and goes. I'm home for the summer in New Jersey. And Warp Tour is coming to, I think it was the town called like Oceanport, New Jersey. Um, So it's about an hour from me. Um, And I bought a ticket. Uh, a friend of mine from Westchester, New York, drove down to my house the day before. We woke up. And, and I remember... Going on like Warp Tour, you know, vanswarptour.com and looking at our tickets or whatever and seeing that the the doors were at like 11 o'clock or whatever. And I'm like, oh, well, Tiffany, we don't need to leave till like 10. We don't need to be there till 11, right? And she goes, oh, no, no, no. For Warp Tour, like, you need to get there kind of early. Um, 
so we we didn't even get there super super early but we did you know we got there early enough that we got to you know we met all the bands hustling cds and the lines and got to see a little bit of the you know pre-gaming i guess you could say uh in the parking lot before work tour um anyway i want to paint a picture of the outfit that i was wearing uh that day um so i was wearing i think it was like a teal like blue green tank top um i was wearing uh white cargo pants which you know whatever like okay i was wearing white cargo pants um that those were a white cargo capris sorry um i figured those would be like comfortable and they would be sort of cool and breezy but you know still keep me covered um and that was like those were like an actual item of clothing that i owned uh and like i look back now and i'm just like who let me actually wear that in public but you know i i could go into like my fashion history (laughs) uh and and that's again like could be a whole other episode of its own um but anyway we go there and like i don't even know like what to expect um there was a band called the sunstreak and they had a tent full of like they had t-shirts and they had booty shorts and i i can't believe i'm like actually telling this story and people are actually gonna hear this but they had you know, I liked the band. They played they played me a song on their iPod or whatever. Um, and they had these booty shorts that just said streaker on the back. And I thought that was the funniest thing ever. And so I bought them. Uh, not realizing that like I you like can't wear those in public because people are gonna like really have a lot of questions for you. Um but I also remember my friend that I went with was really, really into a muir. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, like that might be a little too heavy for me. Uh, and so we like went to their set and they had a really big crowd. But I remember she was like trying to go into the pit, go into the action. And I was just like standing to the back. Um, after that set, we went by the alternative press tent and they you know they had a thing where it's like if you subscribe to the magazine you get to like first in line for the signings or whatever uh so i subscribed um because i didn't have a subscription at the time and we got to cut the line and be like the first people to meet Amur. so there is it and you know if anyone listening to this is facebook friends with me you know go you can find it it's not hard to find but there is indeed a picture of me with the members of Imure, uh from work for that day. Um, you unfortunately cannot see my white cargo pants in the picture. The picture is kind of like waist up. Um, but I also remember from that day seeing Sum 41, which was awesome. I had never seen them. Um, and then and then so for last year, you know, for Sum 41 to be on the tour when I was on it was really, really cool. Um they i mean they're they're a classic i guess but you know i got to see some 41 a few times a bunch of times last summer um i saw them last fall on their headliner and then i saw them again in may and like they they have progressively sounded better and better uh which is really cool um i remember seeing the all american rejects that day i but honestly other than that i don't remember like any bands that i saw um i just remember the experience i remember me and my friend like taking a break and like seeing like a mayday parade signing at the glamour kills tent and i remember all these people that came up to us and like sold us their cds you know um i remember the experience a lot and i remember it was like this I don't want to say bizarre, but really unique experience of a festival. And there's like all these people like me and I'm, I'm weird. Okay. Like I never fit in, you know, I never was someone who was quote unquote, just like everybody else, which frankly, uh, side note, but anyone who's listening to this podcast, uh, if you are someone who's friends with Logan or myself or, you know, someone who's a fan of the kind of music that we both like, you are probably pretty weird too. Uh, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in the most positive and wonderful way. And that's, 
but that's why <laughs> i just called everyone weird um yeah, so everyone just turned it off right now. I think we're no, just no, might as well no. go shut it off. We're gonna go delete no, Twitter. It's, it's over. Like, but but that's why like something like Warp Tour is so important because it makes people like feel at home. Uh, and I just thought the atmosphere of so many different things going on and seeing all these nonprofits. Like I remember going up to the tent for Chirette Love in Her Arms, uh, and talking to whoever was you know representing them at the festival. Um, and just seeing all these people like coming together who are like all very different, but had, you know, obviously some sort of commonality. Um, I just thought it was so cool. And I was like, this would have been 2010. And I was just like, I need to do this tour someday. Um, and then finally in 2016, so six years later, I finally did, which was really, really cool. Yeah, that's it's certainly like a really good experience. It's, there's no other festival like it, and you get bands who tour and then they go on a warp tour, and almost all of them will tell you that they say it's nothing. There's nothing else quite like it. It really is just traveling circus in a way. Um, you know, I mean, even if you look at other festivals that kind of brand themselves as festivals and toured, like if you think. You know, off the top of my head, I think of like the Mayhem Festival or like the old school, like Taste of Chaos Festival, but which also those were all kind of by Kevin Lyman as well. But they all brand themselves as, you know, traveling festival, but they never quite grew into what Warp Tour was, where you've got, you know, say 50 bands and, you know, all these stages. And it's, it's just an, it's a ridiculous, like, all day thing. And it's exhausting for the people who go there and it's exhausting for the bands who, you know, play it and they tour it. But it is like, I think a lot of them would tell you that it's worth it. So it's certainly a festival that is like no other um, out there. But I, I don't know if there ever will be quite anything like it in that kind of sense. And hopefully, you know, Warp Tour can kind of you know, keep afloat here, but I guess we'll just kind of have to see how that goes. But that's just how I look at it as, you know, it's, there's nothing else like it, but it's, it's certainly quite the experience for everyone who gets to go. No. And it's, it's definitely an experience being on the tour as well. Um, I, you know, so I, I kind of talked about this earlier, but like over the years between when I first went to Warp Tour and then when I was on the tour, I was, I was like fascinated. I knew I was like, I have to be on the tour someday. I have to get a job on Warp Tour. Um, and so I would volunteer and do street teaming and like help my friend set up her tent and, you know, photograph the tour, do all kinds of different stuff. And I think thought okay I have you know somewhat of an idea of what it's like to be on Warp Tour um I thought I I thought I had a good understanding and I think that experience definitely helped of being in Pittsburgh helping out to write love on her arms for the day uh and uh it was a total terrible storm um it was awful. It was like a rainstorm and we had to like halfway pack up the tent in the middle of the day, which was just like a wild experience. And I thought that just like dealing with things like that, like was, I was like, oh, I can deal with this. I can deal with Warp Tour. So in some ways I was totally prepared for Warp Tour, uh, but there is nothing else like it. No matter how many other tours you've done, Warp Tour is so different. Um, the first day last year was in Dallas and it was hot and sunny, but it was a really big show. Everyone was in a good mood. So I had a really good day. I was tired. My feet hurt, but it was like, okay, like it was the first day I'll get in the, the swing of things. Um, the second day was San Antonio, uh, not as big of a show, but you know, I was like, okay, this, this is all right. I can, I can dig it. Um, the third day was Houston, and it was humid. It was so, so unbelievably humid. And when it gets that humid, and and I say this because this is this is what it's like to be on Warp Tour, whether you're you know working on the tour or you're an artist. Um, 
it is so humid that like you're hot and you're sweating, but your sweat can't evaporate. So it's totally miserable. Um, and then by the end of that day, I was so tired. I, everything hurt. I like get in my bunk that night and I was like, well, I'm going to die on Warp Tour and this is going to be it. And I'm going to die. And you know what? I tried. I, I may not make it through the whole tour, but I, I tried. If this is how I go, I guess this is a good way to go. Um, but you know, and then you, you run into all this shit on the tour of, you know, we need to pack up the tent in five minutes or, you know, 90 seconds because, uh, there's a terrible thunderstorm and everyone's going to get electrocuted and wait, everything is flying away and you need to get it. And, you know, you really have to be able to roll with things and deal with weather and all kinds of conditions. Um, but it, it, it also was the best experience of my life, like hands down on, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely nothing else like it. And if you have an interest in, in, uh, working on Warp Tour ever, highly recommend it if you get the chance. But, uh, we've, uh, we've been on for about an hour here. So I think we're gonna wrap this up. But before we head out, I think that we should talk about what are some artists that we think, some artists that are on Warp Tour this year that we think are gonna be the breakout bands. It's so, yeah, that's it's gonna be a lot. I look at this and there's two that come to mind immediately. Um, I, I don't know if you want me to start with one. Um, yeah, start, start. So I'll pick a band that I don't honestly listen to a lot, um, but a band that's been getting like pretty good reception, like crowd wise and like critically wise, I guess, on this tour. I'm gonna pick probably Knocked Loose. Um, Again, I don't listen to them a oh, whole yeah. lot, but they've oh, been yeah. they've been thrown on the smallest stage, and they've been getting like some of the biggest crowds all day. Um, so that's kind of cool to see. Like, I don't know. Like, you think about it, they've only been a band for I think four years, something like they've only got one album out, and they haven't been around for a while. But I know that like just from like people who are seeing them, they've got like a pretty big fan base. And before I started talking about this, I'm watching like a recap video so far for them on Warp Tour. And it's just ridiculous, like how big their crowds are for the small stage that they've, you know, kind of been put on. And that might have been by design, too. I don't know. But that's definitely a band that I think will kind of blow up after this tour ends. And it'll be exciting to kind of watch them and see what happens with them after this. Yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued to see what's next for Knock Knocked Loose. Um they they were a band that I I've had on my mind as well. I think I mean I see all over like Twitter, Facebook every single day people are posting about, "Oh my god, I just saw Knocked Loose at Warp Tour. They killed it." Uh So that is a band that I think is doing awesome. One band that I'm I'm kind of thinking might uh, uh break out a little bit is Jewel Vera. Um you know, and I, I feel like it's still, it still feels really early in their career. Um, so they released an EP through Pure Noise Records, and they were on the tour in 2015 on the Full Sail stage. Uh, and they're back this year, and they're on a label, I think it's called Weekday Records, which is like a partnership between Pure Noise and Sony. So it, it's like they're, you know, Joel Vera's on this pretty big label right now. Um and I thought they were really good when I saw them two years ago. They didn't really get a very big crowd, but they seem to be getting a lot of crowds. Uh, and I see that a lot of photographers are photographing them. Um, so I'm really, really curious to see. And, and they're kind of like a pop rock kind of band, I guess. So I'm really curious to see if they're able to for lack of a better word, break out of the warp tour scene and become ma a mainstream band? Uh, or are they going to be a band that's really, really big in the, the underground? Um, I, I'm very curious to see what, what that band does next. Yeah, that's definitely a band that, I, to be honest with you, I kind of forgot about them. Not that like I don't know there, but like I just, they, I mean, they're an interesting band to watch. And I remember, um, the last EP was really good. And like, if I remember correctly, 
you know, the EP they put out in 2015 was a little bit different than what they sound like now, um, which is, you know, kind of obviously like normal for these, you know, bands and things right, like right. that. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch them grow. And I'm actually going to cheat here and I'm going to throw in another band because like, I hope that everyone listens to them. I was going to, it was between Knocked Loose and it was also between Creeper, who I think I, is, That's who I was <laughs> going to say. Yeah, it was probably absolutely. one of the better bands, in my opinion, on this tour. And they had like a pretty good crowd when I saw them in New York. So if you're listening, please listen to Creeper because they, like I, I didn't get the chance to interview them or I didn't get the chance to meet them, but everyone says they're really good people um, and they're great live. So hopefully they continue their ascension. And I mean, they're pretty big over in the UK. I believe that's where they're from. Um, yeah, they're from the UK. So hopefully that crosses over here and I'm excited to watch them as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a good pick. Uh, well, that being said, I mean, I think we've uh, kind of covered everything we're going to talk about for Warp Tour. I mean, I mean, realistically, we could probably sit down and spend like an entire day talking about Warp Tour, the two of us. Uh, but, you know, I figure that people listening to this don't don't really need to go much beyond an hour um but anyway thank you to everyone who has tuned in uh for this episode for any episode so far logan do you have any last words um you know i think you're right we could most definitely talk about warp tour for a long time and i know i mean we could even probably revisit it at some point later but i agree that we don't want to drag this out otherwise people are like oh it's been so long and they're just rambling and that's fair because that's basically you know, warp tour is this it's an expansive topic. But Oh yeah. Um, you know, I'm glad that, you know, we here we're here four episodes in and, you know, we're definitely glad that people have been checking it out. And I hope that as we go, you know, people stick around and they can, you know, maybe invite more people to check it out. But definitely I've had a lot of fun so far and I definitely appreciate everyone checking us out. Yeah, well thank you again to everyone who's tuned in. Uh I've really enjoyed this and and i was even like talking about it with logan before i think yesterday or something that i didn't even know how cool podcasting was going to be but so far i've really really enjoyed it uh so thank you everyone who's listened or follows us on twitter uh if you don't follow us on twitter you should go do that right now it is at perspective underscore pod uh you can follow me at at m huddleson and you can follow logan at a n i a f c um thank you everyone so much for tuning in Uh, i hope you liked it please tweet at us share us your perspective on warp tour talk to you next time